Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners and welcome to a new era, the Ryan Lowe era. I'm joined by Jimmy and Ollie for today's episode. We'll be discussing the Gaffers opening game and we'll answer a few listener questions before we look ahead to Millwall on Saturday, so enjoy. Ollie, good to have you back on a on a normal episode. How are you? Very well, thank you, Jake. Good, good. Jim, we'll get through as much as possible in the time that you've got. Um, if you need to depart at any point, that's not a problem, just give me a shout don't know why there's a big thumbs up on my uh, my screen on Zoom, but I, that. I've, that's not something I've done. But yeah, um, yeah, just got a few things on today, but looking forward to the uh, Formula One. But um, yeah, good performance yesterday, which I'm sure we're about to come on to. Yeah, well, before we get into that, as I say at the start of every episode, you can support us here at From the Finney with a donation. Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. And if you're listening on an Apple device, uh, on Apple Podcasts specifically, then if you could leave us a review, that'd be great as well. Much appreciated. Boys, let's talk about yesterday. Um, obviously, it's the start of a new era, um, a new dawn for the club. What what did you make of the style of play from what you saw? Yeah, I thought it was better. I thought it was clearly much better. You could see, obviously, only three sessions on the training ground, but I just thought the average positions were a lot higher. Yeah, much higher up the pitch, weren't they, than under Frankie? Yeah, even five yards makes a difference, uh, just being on the front foot. And obviously the two midfielders ahead of Whiteman rather than two midfielders next to each other and then one just ahead. And I thought the the forward runs from, from Johnson in particular into the channel space, Brown on the other side, just more probably flexibility within the system. And I think it just goes to show that it's not formations that are issues, it's how you approach the game within any set formation. Um, so, yeah, obviously only three sessions, but a lot more positive, I'd say. Yeah, I think there's a lot of promising signs there, weren't there, from yesterday. I know people were a bit, not twitchy at half-time, but, you know, I, I think this possession with purpose that we had yesterday was was really evident to see. I mean, I, I've been a bit of a geek last night. I've updated all my spreadsheets, and it's only the fourth time in since the start of the 2021 20, season we've attempted over 500 passes. And I think in two of those games with defeat. So obviously when teams just let you have the ball. So I, I think there's a lot of positives to take from yesterday. I think the style of play is going to get a bit of getting used to for a lot of fans. You know, the fact that we do want to play out from the back. I think Iverson only had maybe three or four long balls yesterday in terms of, you know, 40, 50 plus yard passes. A lot of it was short stuff to Bauer from goal kicks. Obviously, you know, short pass that started to move for, for Brown's goal. And, yeah, it's just there's a lot of promising signs. I, I kept using the words green shoots yesterday because that's what it is. It's green shoots of recovery compared to what we've been used to under Frankie Ball. It's just like chalk and cheese in terms of, of playing styles. Um, I think one of the big things I saw yesterday was that evidently if 
Vanlo is going to play this way. There's a couple of players that it probably doesn't suit in terms of playing style and probably ability level, um, especially the intensity it's at. Um, no slight on them, but it's just it's quite evident that probably two or three positions do need improvement in January. But I think Ryan Lowe came out after the game and said pretty much that anyway. So a lot of positivity for me yesterday. I thought we were good on the ball. But you know, I I said this a few times in there, like possession without purpose is pointless. But when you've got the ball and you want to make forward passes and you want to get into space and like Whiteman in that six ball yesterday was good on the ball for me. You know, defensively he's not great, but we know we know about that. Um so yeah, I just I just found it refreshing to to and I came off the game and I thought, you know what, I enjoyed that. You know, I actually enjoyed watching the game of football and because they wanted to do stuff with the ball. And, you know, they, they managed the game well at the end. I know people saying, I'll oh, put it in the box, put it in the box. I'm like, two and up with 30 seconds left on the timer. If we're going to keep getting throw-ins and corners out of it, just kill the game. It's good game management. Yeah, I, I was. A, I know you said a, a few people were maybe a bit twitchy at half-time. And I noticed it on the, on the concourse when I went down. There was a few, not negativity, but a few people saying, like, oh, we, we, should, we should be beating the team like this. Like, they're not very good, blah, blah, blah. And... Almost like they were coming back to the style of playing, the change in the way that we were playing, and and looking at and pointing the finger at that, and that was the reason that we weren't sort of one nil up or whatever at half time. But like you say, Jim, it's gonna, you know, not only for the players, even though I thought they were brilliant yesterday, it's gonna take time for the fans to adjust as well. Because there was a woman that sits near me on the Tom Finney stand who booed at half time. Uh, she but, is a bit miserable, but you know, it's people but, like that that are, are used to watching football when it's four four two and you just do it up to the strikers and crack on. Like it's yeah. gonna take time to adjust. And I think you've got to give a bit of credit to Barnsley as well because I thought first half they were decent. Um obviously it's in the bar. I thought Carlton Morris was an absolute handful all game. I think he's probably given Seppi's toughest task in a long time in this league. Um you know they've got some decent players. I thought defensively they're a little bit shaky. I think is it Anderson? Ollie I think he was yeah. the best player at the back for them. Um, he's an but, immense player yeah you can tell they've missed him because he's been out injured hasn't he and obviously Carlton Morris that's only his fifth game back I think it is like, you can just tell these like levels above what Barnsley are at the minute um, but there's little things about Barnsley yesterday like when they warmed up before a game me and Johnny the lad I was sat with just watching him like just had no structure to it just it felt like really lack of intensity and you look at ours ours was a completely different warm up to what we've been used to under Frankie and it just was, it was brilliant compared to what it has been. You know, it, it, it everything had a, a meaning, and like I was just, I was just dead impressed with a lot of things that we did yesterday professionally. I thought it, you could just tell with, even though it's only three days into his reign or three training sessions in, you can just tell like, wow, he, mean, he means business, this guy. So, yeah, you've got to you give a bit of credit to Barnes that first half, though. You could tell that from the minute he stepped through the door. You know, he's like, I've gone in and spoken to the lads and made it clear what I want from them and I'll give everyone a chance. I can accept um, misplaced passes and, and whatnot, but what I won't accept is like a lack of effort. I think he said something along the lines of like, running's free, it's the minimum that you can do. And he, he set his stall out and, you know, it seems like everyone's bought into it so far. I think it suits the squad we've got as well. If you look at that midfield, I think we all said it either on the last podcast or on Twitter spaces, probably a top six midfield. Mm. And Daniel Johnson, 
he is one of the best number 10s attacking midfielders in the league. Um, it's no surprise that he plays well when, when you play on the ground. He can't really do much when the ball's going over his head and he's fighting for second balls. Same as Ben Whiteman. I think he made 60 passes yesterday or, or something like that. Just two midfielders ahead of him, two strikers, two wing-backs, and he's got support from the wide centre-backs. Just got a lot more options on. Um, and he, he, he can switch play, he can play forward, and he can just retain possession when he needs to. So I think I think Whiteman was very good yesterday, and obviously the two midfielders ahead of him, goals each. So very good performances. For Alan Brown was superb as well. Yeah, it felt like... I think do we say on Twitter space about how do you how do you play all four of them in terms of Whiteman, McCann, Brown, and DJ? Uh, White McCann, Brown, and DJ. Like it shows you can do it. Like I know McCann was out of position yesterday, and, and bless him, like he tried, but just wasn't his sort of position. I don't think. But you've got to think like he's done a, he's done a job there. Like probably no one else. You, 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 if you take McCann out of the team, it's you put in the player with probably weaker ability to replace him on that on that right hand side. You know, yeah, he didn't have his best game for us, but you've got to look at what we had in the middle of the park. And Alan Brown and DJ in the two eights positions were, were fantastic. You know, the, that's like us of old, you know, and Whiteman's sitting, you know, he just spread the ball. I, you know, obviously everyone calls it like the quarterback role or whatever you want to call it, but I just, he was just very progressive with his passing. You know, it was just, it was really good to watch for me. And yeah, he's like, He's a bit of a fanny in the tackle, like he sometimes doesn't get where he needs to be in terms of defensive positions. But your two lads aside him yesterday in terms of DJ and Brown, they were great in terms of their tackle. You know, DJ busting a gut in that first half, making yeah, that tackle, then that. then all of a sudden we're, we're on the front foot, we're then counter attacking, and it's like this is class, this is great, this is what we wanted to see for the past eight, nine, probably twelve months, really. You know, there's probably only a handful of times at the start of this year. When we when we put in performances like that, so yeah, I, I was really pleased, and there's just a lot of positive signs there yesterday that I thought it, that's after three sessions. Like, imagine what he's going to be like after you know four sessions this week, four sessions next week, leading up to Sheffield United game. I know there's a couple like you sort of got two games in a week after that, so he's not going to get tons of time of training down, but he's actually got time now where he can implement his ideas get training back up to a good standard, you know, start looking at patterns of play because it's a lot of triangles yesterday, a lot of like, you know, passing moves. It was just good to watch a lot of the time yesterday. I was, just, I came off and I thought, finally, for, you know, for the first time in a long time, we've played football in the right way. It's just it, stuff that we've not seen a lot of, isn't it? Yeah, I think with Whiteman, I think the distances between Whiteman and, I mean, not Whiteman, McCann, sorry. I think the distances between McCann and Step weren't right. I think why uh, I think McCann was receiving too deep uh, with his back to goal. Um, so obviously unfamiliar with the role, but I think you've seen previously with McCann the timing and awareness when he gets into the channels to sort of invert in that like channel space and then send the ball back across the box. I think he's very good at that. So that might have been the thinking behind it, but. Particularly on the left-hand side, there was a clear pattern of play where the wing-back would stay quite deep, Earl would stay quite deep, draw out their wing-back and DJ would just run in that channel space, draw the wide centre-back out and then play inside from there. And then I, I think Maguire stayed a bit higher yesterday than he has been doing as well as more of a proper number nine. I'm not sure if anyone else noticed, but probably didn't suit him as much. I think he's slightly better when he comes in and links, but obviously when you play two number eights like we did, probably no room for him to come and link as much. So that's something interesting to 
keep an eye on going forward because I don't think he's particularly good as a number nine. Um, but then I thought Emil Reese, even though we didn't get a proper scoring chance, I thought his movement was superb throughout and obviously for the goal. Yeah. I think with Maguire, like, you bang on with that, Ollie, like in terms of him being that, it's obviously playing two nines. He's just been sort of 10, hasn't he? He's been in a bit of a free roll for so long. You know, good with his back to goal. And like, I don't think that Rangler sort of plays in that way. He wants his, he wants his forwards to be going forward, not coming back into into spaces. So I thought Scott Sinclair, to be fair to him, when he came on, did that job really well, you know, in terms of making those runs in behind, you know, winning the free, winning the free kick that led to the winner. And I just thought he was lively, you know, and he, there was that moment just after the second goal where Sinclair is literally chasing everything down and then it steps everyone up. Earl, Earl locks onto his man. DJ came across and literally like they, they put the ball out of play and it's like, because we just locked on. And it was like, that's Preston, we're back. You know, that that's the moment where I thought, we're on to something here because when you've got Scott Sinclair busting his absolute gut off, you know, when we're leading to try and win the ball back, win back possession, I thought, yeah, we're, we're in a good place here. Yeah. I think the actual squad lends itself towards pressing on transitions and turnovers. Like, I think Ryan Lowe mentioned the amount of regains we had. It, it, it suits the players we've got. So I'm not sure why we sort of went away from that with under Frankie because obviously Daniel Johnson and Alan Brown, two of the best pressing midfielders in the league um, and obviously Maguire does his fair share of defensive duties as well to a good to a good degree um, so I just think as soon as you counter press you get up the pitch and you lock them in wide areas you win the ball back a lot quicker um, and they don't really have much pace sort of I know he's mobile Morris um, but he's not obviously Woodrow plays as more of a number 10 so they don't really have much pace to penetrate behind us so it, it just made a lot of sense to play a bit higher um, press them in wide areas and then win the ball back and Barnsley are quite a high pressing team themselves so to actually have 60% possession was quite um, promising really considering a lot of other teams will set off a lot more than that as well So Second highest w- in the league for us this season that first was Forrest Yeah and, yeah. and Forrest like under, under yep. Steve Cooper anyway as soon as they go a goal up they're just going to sit in two blocks Yeah exactly but you, you, um, you mentioned it before didn't you Jim you know there's been times where in the past and even going back to under Alex where we've had a lot of the ball and not done anything with it and end up losing. Yeah, Huddersfield's a prime example this season for me. You know, we had so much of the ball, did absolutely nothing with it and got beat. Besides, I mean, we took some numbers last night, didn't we, in terms of over 300 passes. You know, we completed over 300 passes in 12 games under Alex Neal in 2020-21. We won three of those games. We lost nine, you know. So it's like you, we can always look into the numbers and say, "All right, you know, you complete so many passes, you know, short passes, long passes, etc." But and at the day, you want to win games, and it's like you know, for Alex Neil to lose nine games because teams just sat in, didn't they? they? Sat in two banks, like all of a sudden, then you know, and it's like, "Well, break us down, come on, then," you know. Well, I'm gonna. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and then we because we're better traditionally when we've been without the ball but now under this new system from the, the, the shoots we've seen yesterday it's like well we've actually got some good technical players where you know we can actually dominate a game you know take our chances when we get them you know people say oh DJ's shots deflected oh come on shit like you make your own looking football like and you know we deserve to win it yesterday 
you know, if we come out of that game with a point yesterday, I'd be like, well, been a bit hard done by that because I thought our on balance of play we were the better team overall. Yeah. The possession one is a lot more interesting when the game's level because obviously when you're losing a game, it's, it's so easy to have possession because the opposition will just let you have possession. Um, so, you know, even when we went ahead, we didn't really change the style of play yesterday when we went ahead, which was probably the most telling aspect of the whole game for me because as soon as we went ahead under Frankie and at times under Alex Neal, we'd just drop five, ten yards further back mm. playing on the counter-attack. Um but yeah, like we definitely deserve to win because I think we had nine shots in the box yesterday. Um, you know, obviously a few of those were were deflected, etc., or blocked. But we actually got into positions where we could have passed or shot with a lot better execution. I think Josh Earls to Maguire in the first half. I think Maguire has to control and shoot. And then I think we had one Maguire could have played in Reese as well in the first half. So there's a couple of chances there that aren't included in the sort of expected numbers. Um, so I just got into really promising positions. And if you think about, we sort of attacked with six players, two strikers, two number 10s, two wide players. Um, and then obviously the three and the one at the back. So that's under Frankie, we've probably been attacking with three, four, five players max. Obviously we were a bit, we were slightly open and obviously Banzi did have chances. And I think a better team probably does punish us um, in certain scenarios yesterday. But I think we've all been crying out for just a bit more attacking intent. And we certainly got that. As well, yesterday will probably be a bit of a confidence booster for the lads as well. You know, they've taken taken the new manager's ideas out onto the pitch, and we've got the three points from it. So I think it'll probably give them a bit of a bit of a G up and a bit of a extra confidence going into training this week, knowing do you know what actually we we were good on Saturday. Thought he made the right subs at the right time as well. Yeah, he was bang on money. Yeah, I think they just just made really good sense. Um, you could see McCann was flagging. It's a highly demanding role, and obviously Brown can go play there. I think, obviously, wing back your 1v1 all game, and you're just sprinting either way. It's, it's quite, you know, quite taxing. Um, so then to bring Ledson on, thought Ledson put himself about nicely, passed forward nicely, quite quite free with his movement as well, which is quite interesting. Doesn't normally rotate as much as he did. And obviously, like we said, Sinclair made a good impact as well, so... I have a sneaky feeling that Sinclair might start next weekend with Reese. Um Slightly concerned about how Maguire fits in after seeing yesterday, but I'm sure we'll come on to certain positions later. Do you think Ched would have started if he was fit yesterday over Maguire? I don't think so. Ched needs to play with long balls um, and territory to gain territory. I think when you've already got territory and you've got possession, I don't really see the need for a sort of back-to-goal aerial number nine. Yeah, it'd be interesting where he fits in under this style of play. But I'm sure we'll we'll see over sort of the Christmas period, especially with those three games, you know, Sheffield United, West Brom, Stoke, that's when you're going to need legs, aren't you, in terms of your squad. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back for one of those games. He's probably a good player to have on the bench against Millwall if he's if he's available. We don't know the seriousness of his injury, if, he's, if it's just a knock or what have you. So we'll just wait and see. Yeah, just a quick one before we go to a break. Um, we've obviously touched on Ali McCann. There's been quite a lot said about Josh Yale at left wing back. Obviously, I don't I don't think he's a bad option by any means, but he's certainly not the answer, is he? I think the thing with Josh Yale, like yesterday, second half especially, you just want him to see him take on his man. And like it just looks low in confidence in terms of doing that at this moment in time. You know, the amount of the Earl Whiteman combination in terms of pass must be 
the best in our team because he's constantly, he always checks back, you know, and then tries to create space. Uh, I just feel for him in a way because, like, he has got some decent attributes about him. You know, he's decent in the air. You know, we clearly pinpoint him for, for long balls. Um, what I noticed yesterday was two wing-backs, they stayed wide all game. So they were both, like, hugging the touchline. So they wouldn't come inside. So that gave Whiteman, as soon as Whiteman's got the ball, he's got the option there to spread it to either wing. And what you want at that point is someone to get to get out there fullback and, and, and attack the space. Because, you know, he's probably had 10 yards of space. He's gone probably three or four yards forward, then come back. And it's like, come on, Josh. I just want you just want to see him actually attack a man. Um, but when you're low in confidence and you're probably not playing the best football he's played, like it's things like that are gonna happen. Tough, I think yeah, I think I think the two wing back positions are probably one of the areas where he's gonna to look to strengthen in January because I think you know you just need a better option on the on the left wing back position because you've only got Earl and Greg really, haven't you? You know, unless you put a right footer there who can cut inside. Does he really want to do that? I'm not sure. I don't know if he if he did that at Plymouth um or at Berry, but there's just not many options for the the wing back style of play at this moment in time because you can't you don't want DJ there do you you know you yeah. want to play you want DJ playing that eight ten role like he did yesterday we've seen that on the right side haven't we you know one injury to your only real wing back and you're looking at square pegs in round all straight away well you put either set there or set there or Brown or like McCann yesterday you know I'm like you know people said like our oh, set should be playing there but then who do you put right side centre half because story wasn't available and you can't play Lindsay and Bauer together because that's just asking for trouble. You know, especially when we want to play football out the back. You know, you you want Bauer as your linchpin as your, your centre centre half, and then you want two ball players either side of him in Hughes and 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 Sepp. So, yeah, I I don't think you could have put Sepp there right wing back yesterday. I think he's had to put a very square peg in a very round hole to to, to fit McCann in. I think Earl made three key passes yesterday, which was more than any other player. He had ninety touches. I thought it was a great outlet. To be fair. I think he's much better when he's running onto the ball. He's useless in a standing start 1v1 because he's a big lad. He's got no low centre of gravity. He's not, he's not very agile. He's not very fluid on the ball. But when he's running onto the ball, I think his decision-making was actually okay in possession. Made three key passes, more than Whiteman, DJ, um, who had two each. I thought he was good. I don't know why there was a lot of bad reaction to that performance. Maybe it's... I don't really know why. I just thought it was a good outlet. Obviously, his quality is lacking. I think people get frustrated when he is 1v1 and then he goes back in, but he can't beat a man because that's not his mm. game. Scott Sinclair can't beat a man. Scott Sinclair's useless 1v1. So, obviously, that probably is an area to look at because they only have Hughes and Cunningham and they're both better suited to the centre-back system in this centre-back role in this system. But I thought Earl was fine. I thought he won his fair share of aerials. I thought he'd counter-press well. Really good width in the first half. And that's where a few of our chances came from, from the quick switch. When he's got space to attack, he's mobile and he made two or three good decisions, obviously three key passes. So didn't think it was that bad at all. What What do you say to the few people that I've seen online and elsewhere that weren't pleased with yesterday or didn't think it was that much different? Open your eyes to start with. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Like, I mean, we... we Two attacking midfielders and two strikers and two wide players. And just there's no way that there was no difference there to what we've seen previously. The past is tell it you. Only, it was only a small number of people, but. Yeah. Some people can't read the game, but the, the passes tell you the possession, shots in the box, shots, intensity, proactiveness, pressures, regains, territory, 
Last one then before we go for a break. Are we all aboard the locomotive? Yep. First class ticket, mate. <laughs> and on that note, uh, I'll go and get a brew and I'll see you in part two. Well, not you, Jimmy, but Ollie, I'll see you in part two. I'll stay for a question. All right, Sam. We've got another another person joining us as well. So, Oh. Yeah, surprise. Right, I'll see you in part two, boys. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We've got a few listener questions and then we'll finish off by looking ahead to the trip to Millwall on Saturday. Enjoy. Wait. I love it. It's my favourite away game of the season. Yeah, we'll 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 jump straight in. Question here from James Butcher on Twitter who's asked Oh, by the way, Adam Brown's with us. I was yeah, sorry, forgot Hello. forgot. Forgot to introduce Adam. Um, yeah, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's got to go soon, so Adam's jumped in for the last bit. We've got an adequate replacement. Good replacement for me. Yeah, the the voice of reason. A square peg in a square hole. Very square peg in a very square hole. Precisely. <laughs> yeah, this this question's from James Butcher on Twitter, who's asked: Was Frankie sold up the garden path a little bit? Was he restricted with who he could bring in financially as his backroom team to help him? Mike Marsh seems a great addition. Why wasn't he there for Frankie? And I'll open the floor to Jimmy because... Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's an interesting question. I, I suppose the big thing with Frankie is like, you've got to think about who he knows within the game and, and I suppose the, the path that he's been on. Like, you know, worked in Hamilton's Youth Academy, then, you know, went up to first-team coach at Hamilton, went to Norwich, then obviously came here with, with Alex Neal. I think, you know, Ryan Lowe's, um, I suppose, contact book, if you want to call it that, is probably a lot bigger. And, you know, he's got a lot of contacts in the game. Obviously, they've talked about the, the clock connection, you know, meeting Guardiola, all that sort of things. And like, I think he's just got that little bit more now in terms of what he wanted to bring in. The, the backroom staff needed a freshen up. You know, I think it's quite evident of that. Mike Marsh is an absolute great acquisition for us as a club. Obviously, he knows Ryan Lowe. Two scousers together. You, you, you guarantee a laugh, aren't you, in terms of training? You, but the training, I mentioned it in the first half, like warm-ups yesterday, it's just so much more purpose and intense about them. You know, and it does look like we've just stepped up a level in terms of professionalism. And that's no slight on Frankie. You know, he did the job that he could do. But when you've got someone who's managed, what, 200-plus games in professional football, you know, 600-odd appearances in the professional game, 180 goals. I think, you know, you're just going up in that level of ability in terms of what he's about as a coach. And could Frankie have brought anyone new in? Possibly. But end of day, he probably liked who he knew and likes what he knows and knows who he likes, you know, if, if you want to put it that way. And I don't think he probably thought about bringing in fresh blood. He, brought, he promoted Galley in, you know, and that's pretty much it. You know, I think when, and we've mentioned it on here loads of times, like you need fresh ideas, you need fresh pairs of eyes going into the club to to give it, you know, a fresh start. And, you know, in the 29 games that we had on the Frankie, it was probably just very much more of the same, a little bit of a tactical change in terms of going five at the back. And 
being very defensively minded and hoping it got him as far as it could. Unfortunately, by from a footballing perspective, it was dire. You know, it was just so poor to watch a lot of the time. And, you know, we said before he lost his job that playing excited three or four times during his tenure, you know, 29 games, there's not many games you can sit back and think, oh, yeah, we were excellent that game. You know, Bournemouth maybe, that's probably it. You know, we can't sit here and say, oh, we're fantastic against Peterborough 1-0. I'm like, come on, we've got to be beating teams that have just been promoted out of League One. We got absolutely battered opening day against Hull. You know, it, there's a lot of games during that, to thank his tenure that we just weren't good enough and is it down to, I don't I forgot about them now mate I don't want to think about them anymore <laughs> caused me enough grief during those, those times because like but I don't think he was sold down the Swanee I think he's probably used the contacts that he had but didn't really have that many you know he brought Josh Murphy in it's like oh is that it is that you know but you've, we've got to have more about us than just bringing in the odd player that we used to work with at Norwich it was on the fringes of another club in the Championship, unfortunately. I think the manager before was sold down the river, but in terms of Frankie, over a million pounds on McCann. Whiteman, Iverson and Sepp have had an extra four, five, six months to settle into the level. Very good players, all three at the level. Brought in Murphy, Oliver Sunday, Wickham, obviously a bit of a strange one, Izzy Brown, and then obviously Jamie Thomas, which was another strange one, but I don't think you can say he wasn't backed. The squad that Alex Neal was left with had a lot of potential. The three players that I've just mentioned, who we signed in January, Whiteman, Sepp and Iverson, obviously given time, they're now ready-made championship players and Frank has had them at his disposal since the start of the season. As for Mike Marsh, he's not just going to go and work with anyone. If you look at his CV, he's just going to go to something that he feels he can do something with. And with all due respect, he's probably not going to go and work with Frankie. He probably has no idea who he is or at least you won't be aware of before the last couple of seasons anyway. So I don't think you can say Frankie was sold on River in any way, shape or form. When, yeah. you, when you look at the background staff, that, that assumes Frankie wanted somebody in. He might, he might have been perfectly happy with the situation. So obviously, if that's the case, then he hasn't been sold down the river. Um, if Lowe's coming into a new job, he's obviously going to want to bring somebody in who, who's different and who he wants to work with just to stamp his own thing on it, especially when... Schumacher's, you know, taken a job at Plymouth. So, from a background perspective, I don't think you can say that. And on the pitch, in one transfer window, Ollie's just listed, you know, quite a few players that we, we brought in. So, yeah, I don't think we can put that on it at all. Yeah, I think that's all all valid. Um, Jimmy, sticking around? Or... Uh, no, I'm going to shoot. Have a sure. good rest of the pod, boys. See you, nice might see next, right, might see you next week. Mm, touch and go, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how you go. Yeah, but I'll, um, I'll see you all Tuesday night for quiz night. Yes, looking forward to it. Can't wait. Yeah, next question then. This one's from James O'Brien on Twitter, and he's asked, how far can the positivity and optimism Lowe's arrival has brought carriers? We don't have the best squad in the league, but the likes of Huddersfield and Barnsley have managed to be relatively successful purely with an identity and spirit. I think, for me, the last eight games showed you that positivity and optimism don't get you very far. I think the new manager bounced under Frankie. That's exactly what it was. It was a bit of positivity, a bit of freshness, a bit of time off for the players, whatever. And then it runs out because you need tactical now, so you need intelligence, you need contacts, you need, you know, authority. Um, so I don't really think that will take you very far. As for Barnsley, they had a, they built a very good squad. 
obviously brought in Dara DK last season. Huddersfield, similar. You know, I think they had Izzy Brown at the time, who was very good. They brought in a couple of German players who carried him a bit. So you need to build your squad. Uh, David Wagner as well was actually a very good coach at the level. So you need a mixture of all things. And obviously positivity helps, but it's just one of the factors, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, in terms of positivity on the field, you know, that, like Ollie says, that can dry out. I mean, off the field, I think I think it can go as... It's, well, Lowe's come in and you could see yesterday, even afterwards, the way he was going up to the fans after and uh, there was that unity there, which we hadn't seen for a long time. Um, so as long as we've got that connection, I think it's exactly what we needed. However, there is a January transfer window coming up and we know our usual dealings in the January transfer window. And if if it isn't perceived to be that Lowe's getting who he wants or what we need, and it's a poor transfer window, then that positivity can soon go out the window, as we saw with with Neil towards the end of his uh, time at the club, where he was, quite frankly, he looked sick of it, didn't he? So we need to build on it and um, try and make sure we have a strong January transfer window and then we can can see where it goes. But he's been a breath of fresh air, hasn't he? I'm sure you've touched on it in the, in the beginning um, segment, but yeah, he's, he's exactly what we needed and just hope it continues. Just, I mean, if if it's the very least that happens, it's just been a short-term boost, hasn't it? Like, you know, it just felt like we were in this black hole of nothingness almost. Like, the football was poor to watch. There wasn't really much going on off the pitch. Like, this last week, they've put out low, Like, Hannah's done a brilliant job at the club, like, with the, the video content and all that sort of stuff that they've put out. It's engaged the fans. It's, it's given people what they want. It's given an insight into the new man and his time at the club so far. And, yeah, it's it's just it's just really positive, and you know I'm under no illusions with the relatively small team that they've got that it's probably not going to carry on for the full season. It might happen in fits and starts, but you know it, it's been a great start, and long may it continue think, as mu- as long as it can. I think it's positive because of the identity that you can see after 15, 20 minutes. People can buy into something then, can't they? And obviously the players will enjoy playing in that system a lot more because. The midfielders aren't shackled, two strikers, two attackers, two wing-backs, and the players will enjoy playing in it. So the fans can get behind it, the players can buy into it, and the manager's got charisma. I'm not sure when the last time a manager had charisma at Peony. But you can just see, low, he's infectious, isn't he? And um, that can only you know, make its way to onto the terraces. <clears throat> just hope that we get... It was a bit disappointed. I wasn't disappointed with the attendance yesterday, but the weather wasn't great and stuff like that. But hopefully when we start winning games, we'll get more people back and uh, and lift the place again. Yeah, there's probably still a few people that are like, mm, new man, I'm going to give it a few games, see how he goes. I think if that was like the start of the season, it was sunny and you know everyone was bouncing. Um, but it's not the best time of year, is it? Christmas around the corner and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, good things to come. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, last one then, and I suspect this will probably come up a few times between now and the start of the window, but quite a few people have, have asked questions very similar to this, but where do we need to recruit in January? Um, well, obviously, there's a centre-back on trial. We are actually fairly well stocked there, but there's just no quality there, is there? Especially if you want to play a slightly different way. He's actually quite good, Diaby. Um, so it'll be quite interesting to see what happens with that, but he's not played football for two years. You can argue, everyone will say wing-back, won't we, left wing-back. You could argue for the other side as well. I'm not sure what Adam thinks. 
Well, it sounds like you've touched on left wing back, but that's definitely an issue for me. I think we need another striker the way we play because I know it's silly, but I can't see Evans getting in that because he's going to want his strikers getting in behind, as you could see yesterday, because Maguire was playing a whole different game than what, what we've seen in recent weeks. Did and you listen to us in part one, Adam? No, I didn't. No, have you covered this? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But yeah, I think we do need another striker on that basis because he's going to want his striker to get in behind up there with Reese. Um whether Sinclair Sinclair looked all right when he came on yesterday, but long term that's not a solution. Um and yeah, centre back is definitely um an area. Midfield, we're, we're perfectly fine with the midfield, aren't we? Um so yeah, probably strike a left wing back. And if we get DRB in, it won't be too bad. I think right wing back as well, because obviously it, there's only really on Sunday who's a natural there. I quite like putting a centre mids out there, but a lot of people don't seem to like it. Um, you don't know how they feel either. They might not like it particularly either. Well, what's the difference, Jake? Not a lot. I think if I'm you just put... saying they might, they might not like it. You, you know, Barky was quite critical of Frankie for. Yeah, but Barky wants to score. Barky wants to score goals. Barky's a goal. Barky's yeah, a finish. yeah. I know, I know Barky's not a centre mid either, but you know, it just. I think in terms of the skill set, the requirements are very similar. Is all I'm saying. Um, you can, you can, I don't think Sinclair can play there. You need a different type of winger. So it might be something that we look at on both sides. I'm not sure, but I agree with Adam as well in terms of a striker because we touched on it in the first half. Maguire, he's not really a number nine. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who he partners with Reese because I thought Reese was really good again yesterday. So, and like like we touched on again, don't think Evans really really suits the Plan A style, if you want to call it that. So, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what type of striker he brings in. Ryan Hardy's very good, and how many he can get rid of as well. Because obviously we've got what I think thirty first team players or twenty eight or something like that, and there's how many not even registered in the squad. And then there's those that are registered in the squad that you could look at and say, yeah, we can improve on them. Like you said, Ollie, there's decent depth at centre-back, but there's a lack of quality. Um, do you think another left-footed centre-back is something that we should look at? No. I think you got... Well, I, don't, I just don't think you can do it with Cunningham and Hughes. I've never seen really a championship side have three left-footed centre-backs on the books. I think it's quite rare. So I'm not sure. I think Hughes will work out better in this this team as well because he's got a little bit more of a free reign to go forward as well, which suits him. So, yeah, I think probably would have been something we were crying out for if we were playing four at the back. But I think given the fact that we're playing three, I think we're all right in that. Well, it's, it's, not, the, it's not our most priority position, really. As I say, in terms of the outgoings, there's not really a lot of desirable targets for, for clubs so it could be a bit of a struggle because there'll be people on pretty good wages I mean Harrop we have issues with whether he comes back or not because of his wages um, and then you look at the other players on the fringes you know, I wouldn't really be crying out to, to bring some of those in so it could be a bit of a problem Yeah, I think um, Ripley's loan has probably been a good thing for the club because by all accounts he did quite well so we might be one thing off the books, but especially with the way League One is at the minute, um, I'm going to struggle to shift some of these because they'll be on, you know, high-end League One money, won't you? And they're not going to... You're looking at Joe Rafferty, Brad Potts, Josh Harrop. 
you know, even the centre backs, a lot of them have just signed contracts recently, so it's going to be hard to create any room, really. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge for the club, but um, obviously we're not going to get rid of any of the midfielders, any of the main ones. None of the strikers are going to leave, I don't think. So it's quite hard to see where the room is going to be created. Do you think, given Ryan Lowe's and obviously just arrived, there might be a recall for Tom Bayliss from Wigan? Can't see it. I mean, because where's he fit? I know, because you're struggling to get McCann in that midfield at the minute, aren't you? You're not going to then try and get Bayliss in. But everyone will probably get a chance at some point. But there's no point. He's played well. He's he's been not been playing games recently, but he's played quite a few games. He may as well leave him there. Yeah, playing more than he was at North End, which has got to be better for him than sitting on his ass doing nothing yeah. up here. Yeah, I think a full season in a decent league one side do him no harm at all. Especially when you consider obviously Ledson and McCann didn't start in midfield yesterday. Yeah, Parrot exactly. weren't involved and pots off the bench, so incredibly well stacked midfield. I think with Bayless as well, it does us no harm because him playing games mean we've got potential to get rid of him if we want to, rather than just being sat in our reserves. I think the Josh Arrett one's an interesting one for me because he's apparently got an injury, but no idea what it is. You know, I think he put something on his Instagram saying like working hard to get back or something like that. Obviously, if that is the case, that would explain his absence from the squad yesterday. But if it isn't, then... He's not registered, is he's he? He's not registered, yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that ends that one. Interesting, interesting one. Again, though, if you look at... Because I thought he might suit suit it. But then again, if you do look at the numbers, just purely on numbers, he's just got a long way to go, and he? He's not played football for six months. So it might be another loan, but... Yeah, I don't know when he's out of contract. I think the only one we can get off the books easily is probably Hunts. You know, a League One club will probably take him on loan or whatever. Out of contract in the summer, isn't he? So yeah, imagine probably see out his contract that way or whatever. But it's whether yeah. or not he chooses to accept any move away, which I think he's turned a few down over the years. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's quite a tricky situation. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting January. They always are, aren't they? But. You know, new manager coming in, especially you know, he's going to want to make his mark on the squad and bring in his own players. And you know, game one yesterday, he's already talking in the press about how he needs two or three positions to sort of help the way that he wants the team to play. So, yeah, I think that's all it is as well, isn't it? It is just two or three. I don't think we need like massive overhaul. So it's not going to be that much of a panic window, really, if we get the right. If we just focus on quality. Um, I think it'll be, it could be a successful window. Something Alex was crying out for, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, we've been there then. <laughs> <laughs> right, last last one then before we wrap up. Obviously, the Millwall game on Saturday. Jimmy was clearly buzzing about an away day. Adam, are you going? No, I'm not, mate. No. Uh, oh, yeah, I know the answer to that question already from you. But yeah, two two wins from their last eight, three draws, three defeats. Um, Rowett more often than not, has set them up with a back three this season, which isn't a surprise. But, yeah, what what's your thoughts on it? I've always thought the same, just middle-of-the-road championship side. Hard to play against, set-piece threats. Do you think calling them cloggers is a bit harsh? Yeah. Some good players in there, Jake. They always seem to draw a lot of games, don't they? Um, which keeps them in there, but just never gets them up to the, up to the top six. Not a good result yesterday, losing to Peterborough. So you'd like to think it'd be a it's a winnable game for us. 
Feels like they've had the same back three for years. Murray Wallace, Jake Cooper, Sean Hutchinson. Feels like they've had the same back three for about 10 years. And they're all decent-sized lads, aren't they? Yeah, they're um, all units, aren't they? Jed Wallace is good. Obviously, Benic Phobie used to be a good striker, had a few issues. Is it at Millwall? I had no idea he was at Millwall. Yeah, um, George Evans is not a bad midfielder. And then, obviously, they have Tom Bradshaw up front as well. Um, George Savile, Shea Yojo, used to be at Liverpool. Mason Bennett and then Matt Smith, who's been around for about 20 years. I was going to so, say, Tom, Tom Bradshaw and Matt Smith are two that feel like they've just been around the game for donkey's years. We were linked with Bradshaw at one point, or when uh, was it not were in there. Yeah, when Grayson was here, yeah. yeah we <laughs> I think it was in it the season that we played Walsall in the JPT area final or something over two legs. I think it was around then we were linked with Bradshaw. Yeah, they battered us uh, at our place, didn't they? Yeah. Never really done it at championship level, has he? But it'd be an interesting game. It's another team who plays two strikers, so similar sort of system to us. What, so what do you make of the, the style matchups? Obviously, Ryan Lowell have had a few more extra sessions on the training ground with the boys. How, how, how do you see the game going? I think there's no doubt we'll dominate the possession again, um, and they'll be happy with that. They don't really have a particular threat in behind, do they? So we can play fairly high again. Um, set pieces are a bit of concern. Fort Barnsley looked slightly threatening from a couple of situations yesterday. Don't have the biggest squad, do we? Um, and they've got three massive, massive players. And Gary Rowett always seems to do one over, over North End, wherever he's been. He's had good results. Always hard to play against, aren't he? Um, be interesting to see how the how the players react in that kind of atmosphere when they've shanked a few playing short. Because um, obviously it's easy to do that on your home ground. But interesting game, to be fair. It's quite, it's, it's a fairly good challenge, I'd say, for his first away game. It's quite interesting. There's a few coming up, isn't there? West Brom, Sheffield United. It's going to be an interesting few weeks to see how he, how he gets on and whether he tweaks anything. Or I know he's obviously not going to be deviating much from... What he's, what he's set out his stall as but you know there'll be tweaks here and there along the way so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on Oh Joe as well we were linked with him in the in the summer so hopefully he doesn't do one over on us Done deal by all accounts wasn't it Adam? It was it was near yeah <laughs> Yeah yeah. I've always thought he's just alright but he just never seems to do it in consistent spells like on the bench at Millwall now I think he was at Cardiff last season, weren't he? Or season before. Scored at Deepdale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they've got a few players like that. So, interesting game. I think he'll make probably one or two changes. But, yeah. Predictions? Tough, isn't it? Yeah, I'll just go 1-1. Yeah, I think a draw would be... I'm sitting on the fence. Yeah. Still early days, isn't it? I don't think you get too carried away for yesterday just because... There are obviously signs there, especially in the first, you know, you've probably gone over this, but in the first 15, 20 minutes, but hopefully another few sessions in him and, uh, yeah, go and get a win. I think you'd, you'd definitely take four points from the first two, though, wouldn't you, going into the Boxing Day game? 100%. Um, so, yeah, just hopefully just retains the same sort of style away from home. Quite interested to see what happens, to be fair. Yep. Cheers, boys. Um, unless you've got anything else you want to say, then I think we can call that a pod. No, that's it, Jake. Cheers.
cool. Um, yeah, I think the positivity around the club and the fans in the last week or so has been really good to see. Uh, obviously, the new gaffer's come in. Seems like he's lit the touch paper and it's given everyone a little bit of a kick up the arse, but in a good way. Um, I think it's key not to get carried away and equally let us not be too downbeat if you know you were one of the few that weren't impressed yesterday. It's not Ryan Lowe's squad. Inevitably, there'll be changes in January. You know, I think that's a given. And he's going to need ideas to get his uh, sorry. He's going to need time to get his ideas across. Although I'd say the majority of fans seem pleased with the performance that we were served up against Barnsley. So yeah, positive signs. And as we said in part one, I think we're uh, we're all well and truly aboard the locomotive, aren't we? You can't say that <laughs> twice in one podcast. <laughs> On that note, boys, thank you very much. Yeah.